Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church of Imperial Valley. We would love to help you plan your visit, so we encourage you to visit our website at www.cccciv.org for service times and our events calendar. Or get the app. You'll find the Christ Community Church IV mobile app in your app store for Apple or Android devices. One night I came back from Haiti. I was on a trip in Haiti, and it was Voodooville over there. And, you know, I was interacting with these voodoo priests and witnessing to them. One of them, a priest, just came to the Lord, burned her paraphernalia in the village. She actually really, truly, and now she's a part of the Bible studies there. But I came back, and I had this horrible nightmare that something was going to happen to my daughter at that time. And I was fast asleep when that took place. And I just got up, man. I knew I had to obey the Lord on that. And I got up and I walked over and I I went into her room and she didn't even know it and I was praying over her. Because this stuff's real. This stuff's real. God will reward those who seek Him. Last thing I want to say this morning, and you're going, great. Man, it's only 11.05. Hold on. This is my longest point. (laughs) Praying without ceasing, and I'll tell you why we're going to turn to the Old Testament in a moment, because I think you need to do some Bible study on your own too. So, So we're going to turn there in a minute, but I want you to see this last point. Praying without ceasing means praying without giving up. It's different than faithfully and frequently. By that, I mean... It's praying without abandoning prayer. You say, what do you mean by that? There are people who have given up on prayer. They have literally given up on prayer. They've walked away from it. In fact, some of the people that I talk to and interact with in the community, when you start talking about Christ, oh, yeah, I was there at one time. Well, why did you fall away? Many times they'll say, I quit praying one day. I quit praying. Some will even say, you know, my divorce happened because I quit praying for my husband. My husband wasn't praying for me, or vice versa. And I get these all the time. I mean, that's the luxury of being in ministry, is hearing from your hearts so that I can see how the Scriptures take on flesh. Not just in my own life, but in the life and then in the pain and the suffering of others in this world. God's heart is grieved over that and you have to know He's got a heart for you. He's got a heart for every part of you. Some have just walked away. Some of you may be here this morning and and saying to yourself, man, I miss those times with Jesus. First thing in the morning, I would wake up and him and I would have a grand old time. Him and I were like two peas in a pod. You couldn't separate us. And now, my prayers are only this. When I need him. And some just totally walked away from it. They lost sight of the value of prayer and the importance of prayer in your life and my life as we walk through this world 
and as we seek the good of others and the glory of God. Let me give you three common barriers to consistent prayer. People want to build a consistent life. These are three common barriers that I have seen personally and just interaction with, with people. And one is feeling discouraged. Feeling discouraged. After a while of prayers that seem to be falling on deaf ears, people start to get discouraged. The psalmist said in Psalm 10, verse 1, Why, O Lord, do you stand far away? Why do you hide yourself in times of trouble? This isn't somebody's heart here and now. This is somebody's heart that wrote the Psalms. That's now the Word of God. People that have gone through what we go through. Uh, Psalm 13, 1. How long, O Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? Psalm 143, verse 7. Answer me quickly, O Lord. My spirit fails. That's discouragement. Hide not your face from me, lest I be like those who go down to the pit. So discouragement is one barrier. People start praying for something. All of a sudden, after a while, they get discouraged. They feel like their prayers are on deaf ears, and that God's hiding his face from them. And that, that is not true. In number two, feeling defeated. Feeling defeated. In Psalm 42.10, it says, As with the deadly wound in my bones, my adversaries taunt me while they say to me all the day long, Where is your God? The enemy. Just people in your life that flesh and blood, we're talking about an enemy that's using flesh and blood like pawns. Psalm 143, verses 3 to 4. For the enemy has pursued my soul. He has crushed my life to the ground. He has made me sit in darkness like those long dead. Therefore, my spirit faints within me. My heart within me is appalled. That's a defeated person. Anybody ever been there before? Okay, two or three of you have. I'm going to raise my hand because I've been there before. I felt defeated, and I just didn't feel like praying. You know, and so later on, right, we know the enemy in the New Testament did a tap dance on Peter's heart, right? Jesus says, hey, Satan has requested to sift you like wheat, but I have prayed that your faith will not fail. When you are restored, restore the brethren, right? And what happened? The enemy did a tap dance on his heart that he did such a tap dance on Peter's heart, Peter ran out weeping bitterly because he didn't see any possibility that he can deny Jesus. I mean, after being with him for three and a half years and being the one, oh man, if every, every, all of them deny you, Jesus, I'm not going to deny you. I'm th with you through thick and thin. Well, when it got thick, he was gone. And so he gets defeated so badly by the enemy, he goes back to his old life. Jesus had to go to the Sea of Galilee and pull him off a fishing boat. What are you doing? I trained you for three and a half. You ever feel like saying that to somebody? You know, going to their door, you've been with them for discipling them for a couple years. You, what are you doing? I've discipled you for three and a half years. This ain't you. I didn't teach you to fish. You knew that before. I told you I was going to make you a fisher of men. 
But it didn't stop there because Peter did exactly what Jesus told him to do. When you're restored, strengthen the brethren. That's where we get 1 Peter. 1 Peter is about living in difficult times. Now listen to this. 1 Peter 5, write it down, verses 8 to 11. This is Peter talking, the one who denied Jesus, the one who got defeated, one who went back to his fishing boat where Jesus had to pull him off of. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Who would know that better than Peter? Okay, now watch this. That's the one we like to quote. Most people stop there, but listen to me. Verse 9, resist him. Firm in your faith, knowing that the same kinds of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. And doesn't stop there. This is where it gets good. Verse 10. And after, this is Peter talking, and after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who has called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. To him be the dominion forever and ever. Amen. That's Peter. That's the one who got defeated, and that's the one who was reestablished, restored, established in his faith, confirmed in his faith. He's the dude who got up on Pentecost, and 3,000 souls came to the Lord through his ministry. Man, give him an amen today for the Lord. Yeah. Peter went from a pillow to a pillar. (laughs) Third thing, all right? Not just feeling discouraged or feeling defeated, but feeling disillusioned. In other words, you already know how something's supposed to turn out when you pray for it. And then when it doesn't turn out that way, you get disillusioned. God, this is the way you were supposed to do it. Because that's what disillusion is. It's turning out something other than what you thought it was going to turn out. Get into a marriage, man. I thought this guy. Marriage counseling. Men are imposters. Go to premarital counseling. We'll pull that out of them and we'll show you that they can get right with the Lord. And then you're ready to move on with, right? They open the door when you're dating. They send you flowers and then take you out to dinner every week. They're on the phone constantly with you. Then you get married and no one's around to be found. (laughs) Hey, pastor, can you go get my husband? (laughs) No, I'm kidding. This is a joke. Do not try this at home. (laughs) Do not try this at home. Back to the sermon. A feeling of delusion, right, with God. Didn't turn out the way he did. Listen to Psalm 142, verse 4. Look to the right and see. There is none who takes notice of me. No refuge remains to me. No one cares for my soul. That's the psalmist writing who has a relationship with God. And he's in such delusion, he's like, man, nobody cares for me. This is important for our culture today. So many people are committing suicide. I just saw where the CFO of Bed Bath & Beyond jumped out of his apartment building in New York and Manhattan because I think Bed Bath & Beyond is in trouble. It's not going to fare well for them as far as the shareholders go, but he decided to end his life. People care about you. God cares about you. 
It doesn't matter what you go through, and if it doesn't turn out the way you thought it was, you have to have faith that God has your heart at his interest. He's got your life. He's got your best interest at heart. And so in Psalm 142, verse 1, it says, and this is what you need to understand. When you read the Psalms, sometimes they get depressing to start, but then they start to take a turn. Because the psalmist, all except for Psalm 88, and I believe that's a picture of Jesus in the pit. That's a prophecy. You can read that later. But most of them will start off depressing. Psalmist going through something. He's getting squeezed by life and pressure. Where are you, God? You're hiding your face, this and that. But then there's always this upward turn that takes place. Because God brings his bearings back, right? God will redirect our lives if we have that faith in him. So here we go, Psalm 142, 142.5. Listen to this. I cry to you, O Lord, I say, you are my refuge, my portion in the land of the living. From one verse to the next. And that's what our lives are like sometimes. They're from one verse to the next. Don't ever get disillusioned with prayer. Don't become another statistic that walks away and just abandons prayer. Don't ever give up on prayer. I don't care how bad you feel. Even if you're laying in bed with your pillow, you know, you're facing the ceiling and you're getting ready to turn out the lights or the lights are out. Even this, oh God, help me. Oh God, help me. The enemy will do anything he can to keep you from communication with God. Now, Turn to 2 Chronicles. There's a situation in the Old Testament I want you to see. And this will only take a few minutes, but I want you to see this. I've been in 2 Chronicles lately. I did a devotional to our staff out of 2 Chronicles chapter 20 on Thursday. But this is 2 Chronicles chapter 14, different king. This is King Asa, and there's a situation that took place in his life I want you to see. And this is important for us because when we talk about abandoning prayer and we talk about prayer being a dependence on God, I want you to see what happens in the life of King Asa. And 2 Chronicles chapter 14, 2 Chronicles 14. Now, Asa was a good king. He sought the Lord. He started off well. He sought the Lord and commanded Israel to seek the Lord as well. Look at verses 1 to 4. I'm going to read these fast, but you can write them down, read them later. Abijah slept with his fathers, and they buried him in the city of David. And Asa's son reigned in his place. In his days, the land had rest for ten years. And Asa did what was good and right in the eyes of the Lord his God. He took away the foreign altars and the high places and broke down the pillars and cut down the ashram, those were idols, and commanded Judah to seek the Lord, the God of their fathers, and to keep the law and the commandments. So Asa comes in, he steps in, he takes away the adultery. Let me tell you something right now. A lot of where people end up is because of the leadership. doesn't matter if it's the leadership of a country or the leadership of a church. Most of the people are followers, not leaders. And so it rises and falls, and you see this over and over again in the life of the king's in the Old Testament. So he does what's right, and Asa brought reform. He brings reform to the land. They return to the things of the Lord, and as a result, they find peace and prosperity. Look at verse 7. And he said to Judah, let us build these cities and surround them with walls and towers, gates and bars. The land is still ours, 
because we have sought the Lord our God. We have sought him, and he has given us peace on every side. Their buildings were being built up. Their walls were becoming secure. Safety was in the city, security. There was a real peace in the land and a prosperity because they turned back to the Lord. And God was with him in a difficult situation. So here we see him starting off really well, all right? Then he gets into this difficult situation. He still relies on God. Look at verse 9. Zerah, the Ethiopian, came out against them with an army of a million men, that's a large army, and 300 chariots, and came as far as Madashah. And Asa went out to meet him, and they drew up their lines of battle in the valley of Zephathah at Marashah. Now, these are real places. You can look them up on a, an atlas, Bible atlas. You'll see where they're located. But the point is this that I want to make, is that here's a big army coming against him, and he knows this is an impossible situation. He just doesn't have the firepower. He doesn't have the forces. So what does he do? Now, look at verse 11. And Asa cried to the Lord his God, O Lord, there is none like you to help between the mighty and the weak. Help us, O Lord our God, for we rely on you. I want you to underline that. We rely on you, and in your name we have come against this multitude, O Lord. You are our God. Let not man prevail against you. That's a good prayer. If you want some good prayers in the Bible, there's a good one. Now, Verse 12, because we got to get through this. So the Lord defeated the Ethiopians before Asa and before Judah, and the Ethiopians fled. There's the outcome. He realizes, man, there's nothing. I'm relying on God. And God honored him. His heart was already drifting to God when he took rulership. He was kind of like Solomon. You know, God, what do you want? And he knew the first thing, take down the idols, get the people to seek the Lord, all right? Get the people to seek the Lord. And then all of a sudden this trial comes up. He's prepared for it. See, he was seeking the Lord before the army shows up. When the army shows up and it's beyond him and beyond his resources and beyond his capacity, he then cries out to the Lord with this amazing prayer. Now, fast forward to chapter 16. Chapter 16. I want you to see this. Now, chapter 16 starts off with Basha, the king of Israel, coming against Judah, all right? Asa is the king of Judah, the southern kingdom. Ever since the kingdom split, they had this civil war going on. So the nation's divided. King of Israel decides, we're going to go down and we're going to attack. And what happens is this time Asa goes to Syria and forms a covenant with them and actually pulls treasures, gold and silver, out of the house of the Lord and pays the king of Syria to help him. Watch this. Verse 3. There is a covenant between me and you. This is King Asa speaking to King Basha. There is a covenant between me and you as there was between my father and your father. Behold, I am sending to you silver and gold. Go break your covenant with Basha, king of Israel, that he may withdraw from me. And Ben-Hadad listened to King Esau and sent the commanders of the armies against the cities of Israel. And they conquered Ejon, Dan, Abelam, and all the store cities of Naphtali. And when Basha heard of it, he stopped building Ramah and let his work cease. Now, 
Here's what he does. He goes to Syria this first time. Now remember, this army that he was coming against with the Ethiopians earlier on in his life, when he was a much younger man, he was totally dependent on the Lord. But now watch this shift that's going on. You can read 14, 15, and 16 later. Do that as your devotional this week. And you'll see this shift going on in his life where he goes from seeking the Lord to now depending on other people. Now watch this. God loves his people. He's going to send his mouthpieces to speak to those who are drifting off. And somebody comes knocking on your door that loves you and says, what's up with you? You need to get back to church. Don't slam the door on him. That's what Asa pretty much does here. Look at verse 7. At that time, Hanani, the seer, came to Asa. seer was a prophet. Came to Asa, king of Judah, and said to him, Because you relied on the king of Syria and did not rely on the Lord your God. That's the whole issue. The army of the king of Syria has escaped you. We're not the Ethiopians. He brings up the past. We're not the Ethiopians. The Libyans, a huge army with very many chariots and horsemen. Yet because you relied on the Lord... He gave them into your hand. There's the issue right there. His heart is drifted. Not reliant. Now, verse 9. For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to give strong support to those whose heart is blameless toward him. You've done foolishly in this, for from now on you will have wars. Then Asa got angry. Instead of receiving the war, remember? Telling Israel early on in his life, you seek the Lord. You obey the commands of the Lord. Then, one, you know, he drifts off, right, backslidden. And God sends a prophet there, a seer, to tell him what's up. Instead of saying, thank you, Hananiah. Thank you. That's the word of the Lord. You're right. I need to return. He gets angry at him. Sometimes power does that. People get in a position. You know, you've seen it with some of our political leaders lately. I heard an angry speech on Thursday night, right? And all we're wanting to do is go back to the Lord. Listen, then Asa, verse 10, was angry with the seer and put him in stocks in prison. For he was in a rage with him because of this. And Asa inflicted cruelties upon some of the people at the same time. Notice where his heart is in chapter 16 as opposed to chapter 14. What's the difference? Years. Years. That's the difference. Now, normally, this is the way it closes with the kings in verse 11. The acts of Asa from first to last are written in the book of the kings of Judah and Israel. You would think that would be the end, and they move on to the next king. Not so. Look at the next verse. In the 39th year, they have to add this in to teach you and I something. In the 39th year of his reign, Asa was diseased in his feet, and his disease became severe. He probably had gout or something. Yet even in his disease, he did not seek the Lord, but sought help from the physicians. Now, is God against doctors? Absolutely not. God gives us doctors. But when they become your dependence over the Lord, in other words, I've been to the doctor but I pray, Lord, use my doctor with wisdom. Give him discernment, Lord. And just maybe God's sending you to your doctor to witness to him, to tell him how great God is. 
But here was a man who started off seeking the Lord, relying on the Lord. He abandoned prayer. Even when he was sick, he did not seek the Lord in spite of the victory he gave him. King Asa is a good example of it's not how you start that matters most, it's how you finish. Thanks for tuning in for Love, Live, Lead, the broadcast ministry of Christ Community Church in Imperial Valley. Christ Community Church has campuses in El Centro, Calexico, and Brawley with services in English and in Spanish. Your kids are going to love our kids' church. Plus, we have a lively youth ministry and young adults group. You're welcome to call the church office at 760-337-9400 with your questions. Or leave us a message on the Christ Community Church IV mobile app, the cccivy.org website, or direct message us on social media. We are really looking forward to meeting you. So again, the website is www.cccivy.org or call 760-337-9400 so we can plan your visit.